0: Welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I was really thrilled to interview Samantha Hahn because she's a visual artist and I talk a lot, as you know, on the program with writers and actors. So it was so neat to talk to a visual artist uh, whose work is incredibly accessible and she has seamlessly been able to be an artist and also uh, create a business as one. And that's thrilling to hear about and witness. So you should go to her website, samanthahan.com because the stuff is beautiful and it's so easy but you'll also get to find out more about the kinds of things she does whether it's for Daily Candy or Marc Jacobs or New York Magazine or Barnes & Nobles, uh, as well as her exhibits, like she did one for contemporary fashion illustration. She was part of a Brooklyn Public Library exhibit called A Thousand Ships, and we also got to talk about her books. She's contributed to so many, including Shoe Astrology from Random House and Decorate Notebook by Holly Becker, Bus Magazine's DIY Lifebook, and uh, now she is having her own solo book coming out with Chronicle um, in 2013, and then soon another one after that. I like how she makes fashion accessible to those of us who um, are comfortable in clogs. That's me. I like to wear clogs or sneakers. I love wearing pretty dresses, but I don't put too much thought into it, and she makes it uh, all seem possible and yet also so beautiful with her gorgeous watercolors. You might notice that the Employee of the Month poster uh, was designed by Samantha Hahn, which is a real feat and tribute to the show. What's an even greater feat or tribute is talking to her about her work. So enjoy my interview with Ms. Hahn. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm so excited to welcome on the phenomenal illustrator, Samantha Hahn. Um, congratulations on winning the Employee of the Month Award. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored. Really? For all my hard work to finally get this. You really do a lot of hard work. So. I Yeah. Now, how would you describe yourself? On your website, it says illustrator, surface pattern designer, crafter, blogger, and art teacher. Um, Yeah. Well,
1: I'm not really an art teacher anymore. I'm mostly just doing freelance illustration. And sometimes that means surface pattern design and other kinds of art, but mostly just illustration these days.
0: Talk about um, the, the different parts, like surface pattern design, for example. When I see that, I see your beautiful prints on your website. And I think Um, these could be wallpaper, this could be stationery, this could even be posters or a dress. What is surface pattern design? It's exactly those things. I actually
1: do a lot of work for um, paper companies, so like Gallison and and Chronicle doing like journals, notebooks, stationery. I've done wallpaper. I just recently did a collaboration with um, a a high-end Japanese brand called Epaca where they um, are using my Prints for dresses and bags and clothing, so you know sometimes it's it's just a way to kind of apply illustration to other surfaces.
0: So just to give uh, the audience some background, your your. Your particular designs are considered bright and airy and feminine, Um, are there other words you would use to describe it just because we're on audio? and I encourage people to go to samanthahan.com to visually (laughs) enjoy and and, and taste your beautiful beautiful work and the palette of your work. How would you describe, for lack of a better word, your brand?
1: Um, my brand. Oh, your signature style. (laughs) How about your
0: signature style? My
1: signature style. I would definitely say, as you said, it's a decidedly feminine aesthetic. Um, I definitely think I try to strike a balance between lush, vibrant color and um, kind of an economy of line. So I I try to keep it pretty simple and clean, while at the same time using watercolor, there's... um, There's a lot of variability, so you see a lot of the material showing through.
0: Coming from a comedy background, I look at your art and I think part of it, there's a structure set up. There's like a a set number of parameters, meaning you have a a certain amount of room on the paper that you're working on or whatever you're applying it to, you know, if it's, let's say, it's a cushion or a rug or Mm -hmm. something. And then there's just so much improvised there's an improvised nature about watercolor because you don't know where it's going to land, right? Right.
1: I mean, that's the exciting thing about watercolor to me as an
0: artist because you,
1: as a, you know, as an artist, you think, yes, I want to have a certain amount of control over what I'm doing, and you want to have an idea about the direction you're going. And um, I think me choosing watercolor is also relinquishing a bit of control because it's a material that, truly has a mind of its own and responds to different papers in different ways and um, it responds differently with different brushes and different quills. And and so there's always an element of kind of surprise and there's an element of, I'm sure you could actually uh, relate it to comedy and improvisation particularly in that you have to kind of yes and it and allow it to kind of just take you in the direction it wants to go. So it's kind of a symbiotic relationship between the artist and the material.
0: Growing up, your mom was an illustrator as well Mm -hmm. and your father was in the music business. Right. Um, There is a lyrical quality to your work and I wanted to find out more about what your mom did in illustration because to outsiders I don't really know what that means to be an illustrator. I don't know whether that means to illustrate children's books or to do posters or to do ad campaigns. What, What did she do?
1: Um, She actually did similar to what I did. It just was before the time of um, doing work for websites and brands in the way that I do them today. But she did a lot of fashion and beauty illustration the way I do. So that means um, editorial, advertising, publishing.
0: And was this before, like, you know, I remember my aunt used to draw... Um, the models for like Seventeen magazine when she was young because Mm -hmm. they didn't have models, they didn't have pictures of the young women. Yeah, it was
1: after that I mean that was definitely like there was a time when illustration was like the predominant way to show clothing or beauty and you know my mom was doing it more in like the 70s and 80s where it was prevalent but it was um, you know photography was becoming more and more prevalent and so um, Today, I think illustration is way different than it was back then.
0: What is it now? Because you know, you do. You, I've seen your beautiful uh, makeup drawings and showing different palettes of makeup, and then also clothes like the J Crew line for New York Magazine. Um, where where is it today? I think it's today. Um, it's not
1: competing with photography. I think that art directors and brands come to illustrators for sort of um, a more emotional quality, Mm -hmm. if they want to add sort of more texture and more, um, I I wouldn't even say personality, that's not even the right word, but basically, you know, photography is is wonderful and it can be applied in so many contexts, but I think illustration, because it's less prevalent than it was, is sort of brought on when when the brand needs something a little bit more emotional. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So, having an art, so your mother was an illustrator and she was freelance as well? She was freelance. And it was a
1: different time. And basically, the way you got work back then was to um, basically take out a page in this book called Showcase, which was basically a thick book, and you'd be delineate, you know, it was delineated by chapters of, um, like, categories. Like, if there'd be, like, a fashion and beauty chapter and all the fashion and beauty illustrators would just take out their page and the art directors would get the book. And it kind of seems like a, a wonderful, magical time. But I don't, I didn't, you know, she didn't do a lot of international work and I think today, because everyone's just so much online and I'm online with, obviously, with my portfolio site and I also have a blog, it's kind of a way to you're sort of really part of an international community of artists in a way that it wasn't that way before. It was, it was just more, um, this is your style, and people would find you in the book and hire you. So now, I mean, that's, that seems like kind of peaceful and like a relief to me, like the idea that I could just do that and be found is nice. But I think um, today I've, I've had the opportunity to work with a really interesting variety of clients through just having to kind of be out in the world and share my work in, in unique ways
0: it's really neat because I think also you know the business model has just changed in general I mean in some ways just hearing about your mom and I think god that would be so nice if it was just one book and they said okay Katie we need a voiceover artist or we need a writer or we need a talk show host and we look in this book and you're the right price right and it just doesn't I know that the, that still exists I have a manager you know I mean I, that system is in place for a reason and people go to Upright Citizens Brigade theater and they'll see my face and they'll right. say okay we'd like to bring you in but really now you're illustrating for so many different things in so many different ways that someone you don't even know about in japan can now find you because of the internet so right. there's also these positives to the chaos sure of i mean being and a freelancer and now the
1: commonality to the past is that i do have an agent so i'm part of a roster and you know clients will come to the agency looking for you know my kind of work and the agency will submit me and a couple of other artists and sometimes i'm right for the job and other times you know, people come to me directly for what they've seen. And so I think kind of work begets work in, yes. th- in today's world. And the more you do, the more people feel confident. I always I think that it's like, um, I'd imagine being like an actor or something, and you just get typecast and then forever and ever that people just think that's all you can do. And I think with illustration, there's kind of a unique opportunity to to kind of plan and facilitate my own projects and collaborations and promote
0: them by putting them on a blog or um maquette. publishing a book manquette or. is your blog yeah my yeah m-a-q-u-e-t-t-e right um
1: what's the full website it's samanthahan.com slash blog okay so my actually just means it's like a prototype that sculptors use so when I initially started the site I was thinking of it like this is where I'll share projects and ideas and it's sort of developed and become a platform for sharing inspirations you know whether it's photos of 70s icons to you know projects that I recently completed or you know just really anything I find inspiring and then also my finished projects
0: um to me, from an outsider's perspective, you're a workaholic. But I wanted to know what that means. Like, even I found this beautiful stationery in the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens, and I bought it, and it turned out to be Samantha Hans stationery. And I let you know, oh, I've just gotten this great stationery, and you said, well, from which company? Because you had done stationery for more than one place. Can you walk me through a week?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really—it it really varies. There are times where I feel like I'm going insane that I have like five projects at a time, and it's juggling and it's really um, taxing and overwhelming, but also really exciting because I—I really thrive on kind of the. I don't think you could be a commercial illustrator unless you thrived on uh, the pressure of a deadline looming. That's to me, that's really exciting. I, I love that. So, so, so let's
0: let's start with Monday. Like, let's just go over. What's what's on Monday's agenda?
1: I mean, it really it varies week to week, but generally, I you know wake up in the morning with my family, and we have breakfast together, take my son to school, come back, answer some emails, and then dive into um, producing work or you know finishing through. I generally have like one or two long term projects going that are um, collaborations or self generated and then i have um what do you commercial. mean
0: by by coll- tell me about the collaborations in the self-generated well self-generated
1: i have a book coming out in um, september actually with chronicle books i illustrated um 50 female characters in literature so novels and plays and um, novellas and I hand-letter quotes from their dialogue. So that was a project
0: that—that's called "For All Life and All Time: Leading Ladies of Literature," and it's coming out from Chronicle in 2013. Yeah, that's the subtitle, but the actual okay.
1: the title is "Well-Read Women." Oh, neat. So, okay, yeah. So it's um, it's a mouthful, but it's um, it's really it was great because it stemmed from a solo show in um, oh my gosh, it was 2010. Now it was a solo show I had at my agency runs a gallery too. So what's the gallery? It's called Gallery Hanahoo. <laughs> wow, how do you spell that? H a n a h o u. Okay. And um, it so sounds I,
0: like a name like um, that a toddler would. It,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's it's like, actually, call I think it's a Hawaiian toddler. word. It means like uh, it might mean like hello or peace or like good day to you. I don't remember what it means, but
0: I like that. I'm like it sounds like Oh Fui and you're like yeah. it means
1: um, peace. <laughs> o Fui would be a lovely and, name for a gallery.
0: An ancient tribal. Yes. Language. No, I don't think it's like
1: <laughs> has any deep deep meaning. But anyway, um, so. I did, like, a series of vignettes for that show, and that's where that project stemmed from. I just did a few of my favorite literary characters. Who and then, are those? Um, I actually did, for that, I did Lolita, I did Scout Finch, I did Piccola from Blue Sigh, I did Edna from The Awakening. There are a few others, maybe Anne Shirley. And then... Um, Chronicle picked it up, and I've been working on it for the last two years, and now it's going to be out in September. It's exciting. So that's an, that's one of the self-generated ones.
0: But especially because you worked on so many books, and I, I know about Love, um, which is that the art book that you curated and had. I think twenty-five illustrators. Work oh, with that, I didn't carry that. That oh. was just Chronicle. Oh, I apologize. I mean,
1: my work is included in that, and I, my work is included in a lot of those kind of compilation books. Like Tashin is coming out with a book. Um, I think later this year. Was
0: Shoe Astrology
1: yours? Yeah, Shoe Astrology was a book for Random House where basically I illustrated 366 shoes um, to go along with. um, These astrologers basically came up with a profile for each day of the year and then the shoe sort of represents (laughs) that Astrological
0: profile. If you all can hear the police in the background, we are at the Writers Guild, who has generally generously uh, allowed us to tape and uh, have these wonderful interviews for Employee of the Month at the Writers Guild. But if you hear the police, um, they're just coming because someone has plagiarized uh, someone else's script and they're about to get an Oscar <laughs> for it.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah. So anyway, so Shu's astrology came out earlier this fall, and that was like a huge project. I tend to get a lot of. I tend to be hired for a lot of high volume work, so like a lot of books where there are multiple illustrations or um, I'm the illustrator for Daily Candy and that was like creating a library of hundreds of illustrations for daily use.
0: Okay, so if they don't like an illustration, do you have to do it over again?
1: Well, I'm at the point in my career where my agent kind of lays out for clients um, my working process, which with watercolor means basically I work toward final instead of submitting Pencil thumbnails I you know they, they can look at my style and, and generally they pick a few clients pick a few pieces from my site that they like and respond to and want me to work yeah. like within that style and then um, I work toward final on their direction and then there's usually either like a full physical edit or um, sometimes just digital tweaks depending on the project so. So it'll be, like, one or two edits? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how many illustrations we're talking about. If it's, like, a really high-volume thing, like Astrology, where it's, like, 366 illustrations, we couldn't do, like, full physical edits on each one because it just would have taken years. So basically, you know, i just get it as close to perfect, quote-unquote, as possible, and then the art director would write back and say, you know, Uh, For the month of February, you know, February 3rd and February 5th, we need you to, um, you know, add more contrast to the heel or whatever it was, just minor digital tweaks.
0: But uh, by digital tweaks, explain to me, are you tweaking it on a computer? yeah.
1: I use Photoshop. So what I do is I basically work... um, I just do my watercolor work and then I scan it and clean it up or heighten the saturation or whatever I do to submit it and then it's in Photoshop so anytime time you know if I need to change the hue or, or you know any details or add something to it I try to do it digitally.
0: Okay so start from the very beginning let's say someone says um, well tell me walk me through a, a client bringing you something and what that's like.
1: Um, okay, well, my one of my recent projects was during Fashion Week. Um, I worked with New York Magazine has a fashion and beauty site called The Cut. So, basically, um, they went backstage and wanted to kind of cr- have me create tutorials for how to recreate certain looks from the runway. So, the editor took some snapshots of some models and got, um, some steps and instructions and sent them to me. And then I created four step tutorials from a, you know, a handful of shows. So it was basically me collaborating with the editor and kind of getting the information necessary to create the, the visual image.
0: And okay, do you pencil you, know, do you I, I i I know it's hard to break down I, like if someone asked me to break down a joke writing process i, I have no
1: well for way me to write. reference is is like half the battle like I need you know for when I was doing my own book, finding reference for the characters was you know I was looking for kind of the emotional quality that I wanted to convey so i would look i would sometimes use a number of different photographs and then i would I would try to capture different elements of um of the, the, the era. So, you know, all, like if I was doing a character like Lady Brett Ashley, you know, I wanted her to be representative of the jazz era without it being too much of a, like, costumey thing because I really wanted it to be more about conveying the character's, um, you know, emotional state. But, um, so I really had to kind of find the right pose and gesture and something that I found was um, dynamic. Sometimes I shoot my own reference, other times I scour reference online and then, um, you know, kind of composite it in my mind while I'm, while I'm illustrating. And with watercolor, because it's such a fast medium, you only really have one chance to get it right because you can't, it's not in layers. It's very, um, it's transparent. So you, you know, you can't just like do over an area. So if you make a mistake, you just do the whole thing again. So oftentimes I would do, like I did 50 characters for the book, so I would, I probably did each one five times or so.
0: Wow. Can you save the, the ones, you know, the, the rough, I guess they would be called rough drafts because they're quite beautiful. No, I don't. You
1: don't? <laughs> I just toss them. I can't have like, I have like boxes of like finished work. I'm sort of trying to keep an archive, but I definitely, I'm not um, super attached to my work. I, is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, if it's published, it's there and whatever the publication is. And um, if it's personal work, you know, sometimes it's sold through a gallery or something. And sometimes I just throw things away, you know? I just, I just do it for, like, the, the process and then the experience. And it's not important that it's, like, in a box, you know? Well,
0: somewhere. that's all. It, it, it sort of shows the difference. As an outsider, I get so attached to your work. And if someone gives me a drawing or a painting, I want to hold on to it so deeply because it's so exciting and new. And I wonder, for you if it's sort of freeing, you know that there will be another one. So you're happy to, you know, move on to the next drawing or next illustration.
1: Sure. I mean, it is, they are sort of ephemeral. And I think, you know, with with fine art, I think fine artists think of their work differently. I think, you know, it's a, t- a totally different context. And I hmm. think, you know, that while I'm getting as much from doing the work as a fine artist, I think of it as ephemeral because it's, it's you know, I'm creating it for... A purpose you know there's an end point in mind I mean I guess you could argue that that's the same with fine art if the fine artist is intending to show it in a gallery or some sort of space so you know I mean I think every artist thinks differently about it but I would surmise that most artists throw away
0: a great majority of their process work Wow. Ha, ha, what do you get out of the commercial products the projects like yeah what what do you what do you enjoy about it? what what's great about it? What sucks about it? Well, I
1: personally really like the the excitement of kind of getting an assignment and it's like a problem to solve. so you know think you know whatever it is, having to think about it, um, figure it out, And work within sort of constraints and guidelines at the same time you know they're coming to me for my particular style so while I am working within guidelines and constraints there there's always going to be an element of you know personal expression and um, I I enjoy the collaborative process of working with various art directors and editors so I mean it for me it's it's always exciting to see who's you know I'm honored by a lot of The companies that I've gotten to work with, so it's exciting when a great job comes along where you're
0: excited about the brand or the product or whatever it may be. Are there any constraints to it? Like, as a copywriter, I'll write things and then instead of them saying, "Can we tweak it?" You know, they'll give me zero direction to start off with. Yeah. So I feel doomed to fail because I've no. They'll say we want something um, crisp. And so I have no idea what that means. Do they want it to be like chewable letters or something like that? And then so, you know, I may not deliver what they wanted, but I'll have worked really hard on it. And I so want them to be like, no, this is actually we just what we meant is this. Yes,
1: I've had that experience early in my career, especially, you know, when you, when you're just new and excited to have someone commission you for something. And it just feels like so exciting and you're, that you're lucky that you should be p- kind of paying the client to work for them. Yes. That's how it feels in the beginning. So before, you know, when I was doing that, I would just do like, you know, do something until they saw what they liked. I, at the point where I am now, I think I have enough of a body of commercial work that they're coming to me for particularly what I do. And so I have the, the great privilege of having the agency kind of lay out this is how many rounds we can do. And there are times where they don't have an exact, you know, specific this is the exact thing you want. So so it's worked into the contract how many rounds of um, back and forth will be done.
0: Got it. I have to say, looking at your work, I and there's so many differences. There's so much variety within it. And I'll say like, oh that's clearly Samantha Hahn What do I mean by that? That's interesting. Um, I think that, I'm, I'm glad you're saying that because I think that's that is a
1: goal when you're. I, I often get emails from um, people that are just starting out in the field, and you know they say like, "What advice do you have?" And I think you know one, one something that's advisable if you're trying to get into the commercial art world is to kind of hone your your craft and to kind of come up with your own style. And it's not that nobody's done fashion watercolor illustrations. Of course they have, but you definitely want your body of work to be. Um, within a certain you know it's a representation it's it's you, you want people to look at it and see that it's your hand, so you you don't want every single piece in your portfolio to be different one advice I had when I was going into the field was you basically want everything in your portfolio to be something you feel good about if, if an art director were to flip to any page if you get that nagging feeling of like ooh, that one wasn't one of my best pieces then it's Probably shouldn't be in there. And so I think at this point, at the point in your career where you have enough commercial work, it should sort of be of the same quality and of the same hand. And I'm at the point where I have a few different styles that I do, like a portrait style and like. Let's break it down. Let's talk
0: to each one. Okay. So, like for portraits, I've seen your portraits of Carl Lagerfeld and Izzy Miyake and. Those
1: were, yeah, those were for this exhibit in. um, Excuse me. In Tokyo last year, basically. It was called a, the Style Legends exhibit, and they had me and another illustrator just illustrate all these incredible um, designers, fashion designers, over the years, and then it was like this, this huge exhibit. So that was, um, that was really fun, and I actually feel like I sort of honed my portrait style during that time, which was kind of more loose and expressive, less line a little bit more washy with the watercolors so that it, it kind of could express the the feeling of the person and not necessarily just every single detail of their face while it's still obviously you know it had to look like them and and you know be a
0: representation of them it feels like real art and when I say that it, when I look at your portraits they're the type of portraits I would see in a gallery and sometimes when I look at certain illustrations, I'm just going to say, you know, when I'm at Target or something, and I'll be like, that's so cute. That stationery is really cute, or that wallpaper is cute. It does feel more industrial. yeah. And I don't n- know how to specify what I'm saying there. But I will say your, your portraits really feel like the work of an artist. Oh,
1: thank you. I mean, I, I personally like both styles. I think that yes. there's room in the, and there's different markets within illustration. And I think, um, there is a trend toward more of, like, that hand-done quality. And while it can be applied to commercial end, I think, you know, initially it is a piece of artwork. But I'm happy to do it. Like, I like doing that kind of, like, mass market stuff, too. It's fun. So, I mean, I think... Totally. You know, you they, they're just see, different. There are there are companies that, that cross over, too. Like, I do a lot of work for um, Gallison. So they do, like, journals and things. But, you know, they definitely like the, the artful hand-done feeling it's just on a journal so that that automatically tells your brain mass market too because of the context
0: I just figured out what I meant too the portraits are one of a kind like the way that you will just use Carl Lagerfeld and Miyake. like each one is unique and it doesn't feel like you can um excuse me for it doesn't feel like you can replicate it now when I say that though then you see like a Klimt on stationary now, and it do, it loses the quality of the original. Well, it's size too. I mean, it's okay. si-
1: I think it's size and its context. So Got it. Like for the Style Legends exhibit, I didn't go. Oh, actually, no, it wasn't. in... Did I say Tokyo? It was in Hong Kong. I didn't. Is go Is that to racism? Hong Kong.
0: Do you think? But yeah, I think a yeah. little bit. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it happens. Um, <laughs> Not to me. It <laughs> never happens to me, but it, but it happens. I, to I do other some people. work
1: in Tokyo too, so maybe it was just a brain. Um, you know, the same continent.
0: Anyway, no, I, they're all the same. I understand. <laughs> Can you edit this part? Um, but yeah, so we'll just we'll just cut down to that part. I that will be the only part we'll air. Good.
1: Uh, thanks. That's a wonderful <laughs> representation of me. My agents in uh, Asia will love that. <laughs> so basically, I didn't go to that exhibit, but I saw how the work was mounted, and they were print, those portraits were printed very large. And I think that's that was nice and exciting to see my work in that way. But you know, they're also on my website small and I can I can I feel like my work um, with watercolor particularly um, could be almost any size it's different than some work where there's like very fine line or pattern or I mean it just really I think your brain is seeing certain things as mass market because of the way that you see them um,
0: applied. Okay. I, I think that makes perfect sense because I've certainly seen an original Klimt or a Manet or a Monet and thought this was beautiful. And then when I see it in on posters and college it's just, dorms... It loses it's, its, its detail, it's, yeah. yeah it's,
1: well, you're, you're, you're looking at it so small, too. Like, it's just... It's definitely losing... I mean,
0: when you go to... And go to the, the texture Met. is gone. The yeah. texture is the gone. texture. I
1: mean, that's... To me, like, when I go to the Met, I almost feel like they need to, like, drag me away because I want to, like, touch the brush brushstrokes. I, might, I put my face really close to the canvases because it's so fascinating to see... How paint is applied by these artists. And I used to work in oils a lot, and now I never do. Now I'm all watercolor. So it's such a different thing. What but made you switch? I, you know, I think it was just a phase. I, um, I studied so illustration funny. in college, and I, I mostly used acrylic. So that was opaque and layers. And, um, and then when I got out, I, I didn't really understand the illustration market. I didn't really know where I could see myself. It just felt like a totally bewildering world, and that's when I went to grad school, and the work I was doing while I was there was oil painting, just because it wasn't for commercial means, ends, rather. It was, um, you know, I had time to do detailed paintings, and I enjoyed it, but then, you know, it just wasn't as exciting for me as this is now, being able, I really enjoy working quickly, Mm -hmm. and so it's, it's really exciting to be able to, like, bring something to fruition in a short period of time. And so I think watercolor is um, better for me. I can imagine myself going back to oils someday, not not for commercial purposes, but you know maybe when I because it takes longer. It takes so much longer. It takes it. It takes a bigger setup. Hmm. You know, you, you can't just like decide to do an oil painting and like set yourself up. You can, but I mean, it's 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 kind of a big undertaking. Does
0: art school? So you went to Syracuse undergrad. Mm-hmm. Did, do they have tracks? I mean, do they help you learn how to become a business? Do they get,
1: I think, like, or, the thing about illustration, and, and I I told you I get, sometimes I get emails from people that are starting out. I think it's such an ever-changing field, and I think one person's path to success is very different from another. Yeah. And I think that, you know, what you learn in school about the market and how to promote yourself and how to get out there is probably different from how how your actual path might be so I think I had to just learn it through trial and error and you know a lot of hustle you really have to like become learn to become comfortable with rejection because mm-hmm. I don't think you know as you know as an entertainer I think you in any sort of field where you are putting yourself out there and your work and your talent and your you know yourself out there then you know you're it's going to take a little time to um
0: to find your place. I feel almost disconnected, and I say this as someone who was in a more traditional field, I was doing a doctorate in clinical psych, I I feel almost completely disconnected from people who don't face this. and So I really connect with people who are in business Mm -hmm. or who are artists, because you're so vulnerable, we're so vulnerable, and we take these huge risks. And it's not fair for me, perhaps, to, to be like, you're so lucky. To, to people who aren't artists, but I feel like I couldn't be doing anything than what I'm doing, and right. I just want to work. And that's, It's not like I want to be having bonbons. And, and that's and why you are, because you have that,
1: that drive and that desire, because I think there are people who like, might love doing art. Yeah, they
0: but the idea of, the of it.
1: The idea of it, but if you don't love, you know, just the other things involved in it, like I'm not just sitting at my drawing table all day drawing, well, that's what I grew up doing as, like, a child, and that's why I love doing it, but there's a lot more to the business than that, and you have to become comfortable with other elements of it. I, I've, I've known people, and people have come to me that are just like, oh, I feel, I feel kind of guilty doing this, like, shameless self-promotion, and it's like, well... You know, I mean, maybe somebody will discover you inside of your house, but. That's
0: what I feel with men. I'm like not. hoping they just come in through the window. <laughs> that could happen. You might not be the right kind of guy if no, they're climbing that's through the exactly window. Exactly. Right. But, um,
1: you know, I, I, think, I think you definitely have to be willing to, for lack of a better way of saying this, expose
0: yourself. you know, and unshare your work. I mean, I feel very proud of this show. I'm grateful to have on Employee of the Month people like yourself. And so I'm happy to share this. I'm happy to say Samantha Hahn is this phenomenal illustrator, and you've got to check out her work. So it doesn't feel like I'm just promoting myself. It genuinely feels like, no, I, I, people are lucky to see this. They want to know about this person. They may not know about this person. They should know about this person. For well, sure. So but that comes across, even though it is, of course, self-promotion Well, at it the same is. Time. But, I mean, you have, to, you
1: have to promote what you're passionate about. I mean... You have to, if you want to do things that are exciting and thrilling and challenging and stimulating, then you have to be willing to, you know, to share what you do to ask for those opportunities.
0: How, how much of your day is spent drawing? It, it really depends on, you know,
1: what I have going on. There are times where I'm really spending so much of my time at the drawing table just doing the work. And there are times where I'm literally, you know, doing reaching out or doing promotion I think like at this point in my career I'm definitely doing a lot less of that Hmm. Um, I basically do a newsletter every now and again and and I have enough um, people clients on there that you know if I have stuff going on I can share it that way Um, I think earlier on I did you know send out postcards come up with pitches and put together Hmm. kind of um, collections of illustrations that I wanted to use for for self-promotion but Like I said earlier, work begets work, and um, I'm very, very grateful and lucky to have enough work now going on that my focus has to be on doing a good job on the projects I'm doing.
0: What are some of the things you're working on right now? You mentioned Daily Candy and that you just did this thing for Fashion Week for New York Magazine's The Cut. Yeah. What are some of the projects you're working on right now?
1: Well, I um, I did another that's like a a similar to the stuff I was doing for the cut but I I just a while back started collaborating with this Paris-based um hairstylist and she actually is from America but she's now based in Paris and the States
0: they say the States the States she's an expat
1: and um yeah she's very fancy she has blue hair um her name is Ruby Jones and we just did a series of just for fun just these these hair tutorials where she came up with the, the style and I illustrated the steps and the final look and a French publisher just approached us about doing a book so right now we're sort of in talks and figuring out the, the details of that contract and then there'll be another another book so that's sort of, that's something that, it's that a we're lot. working on
0: Wait, another book in addition to the one that's coming out? Yeah Are and, you and, allowed to talk about they that? They obviously
1: work, they obviously in France they work extremely differently because when I got the Chronicle book deal it was like, you know they told me that the, the pub, pub month was, you know, was September 2013, and I was like, What? Couldn't we do it sooner? Like, I, I'm ready. But it honestly took two years to do the work. That's how long it took. And, you know, I just literally finished the book, and, you know, now it's going to go to print. But this French publisher is going to want things submitted by the summer, and I think they plan to publish also in the fall. So it's, it's a very wow. different turnaround. So that's going to be a very hectic what's that one about right. that one's just going to be the it's going to be basically a series of hair tutorials that we oh, do neat. together so it's just kind of fun and it'll be you know that's that's something that's definitely trending right now just Hair tutorials, different hairstyles and things.
0: It made me think, like, do you also get approached to do things for the women's issues that they never want to actually show graphically, like waxing or gynecology appointments? I have not done anything <laughs> like that. Not yet. I've not done, yet. I've
1: done a lot of um, makeup and and like hair tutorials and things, which are definitely not actually my my favorite kind of work. They're kind of projects that I take as like they feel very workmanlike. Like yes. I, you know, I just I can do them, and you know, I always feel no matter what the project is, that you can add that personal expression through the material, but they're definitely less expressive than even even some editorial projects and other publishing projects I've had.
0: What like, are the ones that you thrive off of that you just get so excited about? Um,
1: well, last fall, I did work for um, New York Magazine, uh, The Cut, again, that site that I just did something for this Fashion Week, and it was really interesting. They basically... It was a unique experience for me, because I told you sometimes I shoot my own reference. But they basically sent me to a, a bunch of fashion shows to go backstage oh, and, and shoot my own reference. And then they wanted illustrations that same day to, pu- to pu- put up oh on my their site. Oh, my gosh. So I basically would take a taxi to a show, shoot reference, go home. Did you wear heels? No. Okay. Maybe, maybe like, stacked heels or something.
0: But Clog heels.
1: Yeah, so I just would do like eight to ten illustrations from you know based on the look from that show and then I would sometimes have to go to another show in the afternoon so it was just I was running around like mad it was really hectic but it was really interesting to kind of get you know I do work in in the fashion and beauty market so to be actually behind the scenes and, and actually see things going on and shoot my own reference was really an interesting experience. It's
0: like being a reporter.
1: It felt it was. It was. I actually did think of it as like, like illustrative journalism, because <laughs> <laughs> it was. You know, you're really capturing what your, your eye is interested in, and then portraying it. And so, you're portraying it through, you know a different lens than even what your own camera is capturing.
0: And I just learned that it's illustrative and not illustrative. Oh. Um, <laughs> what, what what, gravitate, why do you gravitate to, to fashion? You love fashion.
1: I do, I, you know, it's actually like I think of myself as, like I, I like having a style and everything, but I'm not super obsessed personally. I'm definitely more of like a, I think func- form follows function mm-hmm. in my own personal style. But I love fashion just conceptually. I just think it's really an interesting industry, just all the work that goes into, you know, you might look at it as like, oh, it's just clothing or something, but someone conceived of the idea, maybe based it on um, something that they're fascinated in, and then all the people involved in actually creating and, and you know, fabricating the pieces, and then what goes into, um, you know, producing a show and an experience, and then, how it's interpreted editorially. I mean there's it's just such a a series of people involved in in this industry and I and you know it's just frankly I'm fascinated by the female form. It's just obviously I think tons of artists are and so it's a way to kind of show the the female form in a really dynamic way. I try to kind of capture m- movement or something dynamic about a pose when I can. I I think sometimes static poses are called for you know in portraits or other you know a work where you're really trying to capture someone's face or emotion but with fashion you're capturing kinda the essence of movement and and you're capturing color and pattern and form and it's just it just it's just fascinating to me and so it's just a jumping-off point for me to kinda use my artistic process
0: well um, are you very protective of your hands like, do you have to be really careful with that. Um,
1: you know, it's funny. I don't, I I, I personally am not, like, super, like, um, there's, like, this video, I think it was, like, last year, of this hand model, and she was, like, showing how she, like, lives her life, and she, like, doesn't wash dishes and stuff. I was thinking I could try that with my husband, to, like, just tell him I can't, oh, no, I, I can't clean the house yeah. or do anything because I have to protect my hands. But, no, I just live my life, and, you know, I I don't think I do anything that's, like, super dangerous but it definitely you know my eyes and my hands are probably my most important
0: commodities yeah <laughs> so and do you keep a, a schedule you were saying you know there aren't a set hours that you draw some, some people who are writers they say I'm only going to write in the morning and yeah. so they don't take any emails then um, I, I know I, I definitely my husband is kind of obsessed with
1: um, systems and he reads all of those he's you know obsessed with blogs and books that kind of like lay out um, potential Perfect ways of being productive, and so much time I think, wasted reading those. Though, I know. I, find. I know. He, he I actually is like like an expert world. on productivity, but not necessarily in. Being productive, but anyway, um, I think for me, you is know, he? Pro- I just want to know, is he productive? Oh yeah, he's super productive. But okay, not, so then not that's necessarily, not, true. not necessarily, not <laughs> necessarily. I do think, like, like if you read all of those books, I think it's not. I think you have to work in a way that's natural to you and yes. to, your, to your your instinctual way. And I think the people that write those books may have come up with perfect systems, but I think everyone's lifestyle is really different. And so, you know, I don't think that those books can really take into account. All the other things that are going on in your life.
0: Absolutely, and they're also not taking into account uh, how efficient one person is at one thing versus another. Like, right. there's certain things that I can write in an hour, and there are right. other things that are going to take me a couple days, and there are things that are taking me years. Right. So, to just say, okay, I'm going to write for three hours a day, whatever the assignment, doesn't make sense.
1: Well, I mean, I've had the interesting, I, I'm really lucky I work from home, so basically, my life is just built around you know my family and work so you know I spend time with my family and then when my son goes to sleep if I have a really big project to do I can go back to work at night so it's people sometimes they ask me like why don't you have a studio or something and I personally love working from home I think it's me too it's really great it's a it's a wonderful I have all the hours I need to work and if I need to pull an all-nighter which I haven't had to do too much but there have been times where I've had to work late into the night I can
0: do you ever feel isolated
1: um, you know, that's a good question. I I don't really, because I think when I'm in that work mode, I'm just really in, like, the flow and the focus. And I definitely really make an effort to, I guess you can call it network, but I feel like I have a nice, really nice um, stable of women friends who are in media and arts and, you know, make an effort to get breakfast or... Even dinner, but um, you know, I definitely, I definitely tend to have at least one breakfast meeting, hmm. meeting or get together a week. It doesn't feel like a meeting; it's usually just fun and enjoyable. But it's it's also you know important to kind of have those interpersonal interactions. Yeah. And so while I am like emailing with our directors or my agency, I you know when I'm actually doing the work i'm not I, I don't think not that being in a studio would be really distracting. I think I could work, but I wouldn't be chatting it up when i was when I'm really focused on my work. I'm just
0: in the zone absolutely do you how much How much schmoozing do you have to do? I mean, do you have to see your agent like uh another person that we had on uh, Gina Gershon is an actor and she needs to really be seen in order for people to remember to put her in movies. Do you need to be seen in order for people to remember to be like, oh, I should look at Samantha Hahn's work, or is it enough for them to see your work?
1: I think it's enough. I think my work is enough. I mean, I do think there are illustrators who a big part of their brand is like being an ingenue or like being like the it blog girl or whatever. I mean, I think it's just personal preference, and I'm more of while I do test as an extrovert on those, like, online tests that you can do. Myers-Briggs, yes. Yeah. I, I actually I feel more like an introvert. Like, I tend yeah. to be, like, I, I, I'm i an observer, and I I, I like scored on intro- I scored
0: on introvert. You did? Yeah. I'm shocked.
1: I think you should <laughs> retake it. Um, I, I definitely, t- I like, like, interacting one-on-one more than I do Me in, too. like, large social settings. So, you know, there are events that I go to here and there, but i I tend to feel that like that what's more important for me is to do work and to do good work, yes, and to I maintain connections with people that I genuinely like and'm inspired by, and I love for my personal projects collaborating with friends, and so it's you know I like you know having connections that are people who are also thriving creatively
0: yeah absolutely and and your time becomes so meaningful especially now that you have a family as well yeah um how do you know how to price yourself
1: well that's another thing like I think early on you're really confused about it there's a book called the pricing and ethical guidelines so that has some really useful information but some projects are really where do you get that
0: book Oh,
1: it's like the graphic artist guild you could get it on Amazon
0: or. you guys example. have a guild I love that I we, mean, have yeah. we have a writer's guild You have a graphic guild yeah I'm not like part stuff. of
1: it it's not like a big part of my life but I do recommend for anyone that doesn't have an agent to to have that book as like to give you sort of um, guidelines for things like the difference between an editorial job or like licensed products or there's a lot to it and I think you know one of the things that I've learned is to um, to delegate and I think for me, that's not that wouldn't have been one of my strong suits to like really figure out pricing and figure out contracts, and so I'm really grateful to have um, an agency that I work with who are just great people, and they're amazing at kind of um, facilitating the contract process. And I think, frankly, I wouldn't be getting as much work done if I had to do that because it's it's a tremendous tremendous amount of work to figure out the nitty gritty. And I've had some projects like Daily Candy, for example. That are just there's so many ins and outs to a contract that I don't think I could have possibly covered all the all tracks. You know, it's not as it's not always as simple as oh, it's an editorial spot illustration, but you know sometimes there's a lot more to it. So I I definitely trust my agency to um, come up with great terms, and I think they've been much better than I was at negotiating because you know I think artists tend to undersell themselves and. Mm-hmm. You know, feel really lucky for the work and I do so I think it's great to have sort of that person who can act as a liaison for you and um, and you know figure out what you're worth and what what's what is market value as well
0: yes yeah absolutely what what was like a really proud moment for you I mean I remember seeing your work in the Brooklyn Public Library as part of this fashion week exhibit mm-hmm. and that was really neat to be like oh my goodness this woman is in a library, which is such an esteemed library, and then to see your work up there, it, 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 I felt very proud and honored to know you. Oh, thank you. What What are moments like that for you? Um,
1: that's a good question. You know, I've had my husband makes fun of me a lot because he says he can tell when I get what, which things I'm excited about. I think, you know, the thrill of getting um, a new client that. That's a client that I that I've admired in the past. Has always been exciting to have someone come to me. I'm like, anyone I in know? particular? I, I think like just off the top of my head. After after I did that New York Magazine work, um, one of the collections that I illustrated was um, J. Crew, and I got uh, an email from Jenna Lyons' office. Who, oh wow! Like to me, like she's so fantastic. She's such an icon, and um, she's done so many incredible things, and to kind of took J. Crew from from a, you know, mass market brand to this incredible,
0: incredible company that They're more expensive than Banana Republic now. I mean, they're so... Even though the quality isn't necessarily better, but the aesthetics are so beautiful. The aesthetics are amazing,
1: and just the textures and the colors, and I just admire her. So it was was exciting to, um, she wanted to have a print of the piece. Oh, wow! It was just, like, so touching, and someone else from their office... um, They featured the work on a blog and they were saying, they just let me know kind of like personally that she was like showing my work at a meeting just to like talk about the colors. And that to me was like such a touching anecdote because it's like this person and this brand that I admire kind of has heard my name, (laughs) you know.
0: Absolutely. And she's such a trailblazer. I mean, I was kidding, but I'm serious. Their quality isn't that good they're more expensive than Banana Republic but I feel this impetus to want to buy there because the way that they select the fashion styles are so good I mean I can't even sure. stand the model they have these stick thin models wearing you know wool socks with heels <laughs> and I'm like there's no way she can walk outside like that but the the I choices think
1: you Katie. I
0: think you should try it I should try it Yeah. I just think the choices of her fashion styles are so I'm such a snob like I think I really get fashion mm-hmm. and um, even though I don't dress like I do I really feel in my heart I know it she's just she creates here like oh that's it that's Mm -hmm. the look like she that's what how do you say that where someone is on top of the zeitgeist I don't know yeah I mean
1: she she created the zeitgeist I think in many ways I think she really defined the entire you know feeling of that brand I feel like that's such a that's a really um, established brand and you totally know their aesthetic you just know it because it's so clear,
0: and made it modern and fun. Like I remember when I was younger, it was so preppy, and I wanted it to be really WASPy. And there was one J Crew ad where it was all these white people with blonde hair and blue eyes, in the snow, and the caption read, "What a white white world." <laughs> And I was like, "Oh, I should be a writer. This is hilarious. I can do this."
1: <laughs> you, should, or you should do copywriting for their next campaigns. No, now I think they're a little. They, they tend to have, have a little more ethnic diversity. Tons of diversity <laughs> yeah.
0: and diversity in in who models and also in the the chicness of the clothes. I mean, not weight wise, but it's t- certainly in terms. Well, of there's of- no
1: weight diversity in the fashion industry <laughs> at all.
0: So. That's also what's neat about having illustrations, though, is because I, I think in some ways it feels more realistic and accessible to have these beautiful drawings where you can imagine what it would be like to be wearing a certain dress um, than to have a stick-thin model that you can't relate to at all and it just feels very black and white. This is not you. You will not look good in this dress. There's, yeah. I think that more uh, designers should use illustrations because it allows you to dream as a, as a uh, potential wearer,
1: yeah. I'd say. I, de- I definitely feel like... Um illustration has, you know, has creeped into the industry a little bit more than it ha- than in like previous years where, you know, sometimes brands are using it for lookbooks and, you know,
0: it's it's creeping in. Do you see your mom's style ever in your own illustrations? Do you feel her presence in your work?
1: Yeah, I mean, I grew up sort of like using her drawing table and her materials and, you know, because it was the same industry and while it's so different today, I think, you know, my fascination with the figure and, and you know, that fashion and beauty, you know, just seeing her do that kind of work, I think, obviously, had to have had a big impact on me. And seeing her get projects that came in and, and like, turning them in. Like you know, it was a different, like, back then, You would, she would have to, like, messenger finished pieces, like originals, to the art director. Wow. You know, it was, like, before Photoshop. So, you know, now it's really... Different the way I deliver the work. What were the places she worked for? Um, she did a lot of books. A lot of, I'm trying to think, like, she did, like, I think she did Bible. Like, glamour. Yeah, the Bible. No big deal. Um, she did, like, Glamour. A lot of had, like, a Christian. Like, a, a beauty book, and she did, like, the first. Edition um, of What to Expect When You're Expecting. Oh
0: wow, I love it. Okay, yeah, great. She,
1: she, did, she, she did actually a lot, um, a lot of like kids and baby stuff too, which is something that I don't really do. Yes. Even though I'm chatting with a designer friend about possibly collaborating on a children's book, I'm not exactly sure. How
0: do you want to do a potty book? A potty book. So I want to do this potty <laughs> book where like the older sibling is so annoyed because the younger sibling takes this potty everywhere. Oh.
1: I'm not sure my style would be so stupid, <laughs> but I can recommend a friend for you for that okay. one. Um, yeah.
0: That's... What about your dad? He, he was a, a music mogul. A mogul?
1: Uh, no. Producer. He was a music. Was what music kinds of music things music. did he produce? Oh, he worked with like Carly Simon and um, Rick James. This sounds very <laughs> mogulish Bowie to me. And... David
0: Bowie? This yeah. sounds very musical. I mogul met to David me. Bowie.
1: Yeah. I was like, I had to have been, like, seven, and I had this record that he narrated. It was, like, Peter and the Wolf record. So I remember distinctly going into the studio and being like, um, I have your Peter and the Wolf record. That's what I said to him. <laughs> and then his, I think his, like, synth guy, like, let me, like, jam out on his synth. So cute. So, I mean, it was, like, way before I knew how cool he was, and now David Bowie is, like, definitely one of my favorite musicians. So I totally, you know, did not make, like, a cool impression on him. And I also remember saying to my dad that his teeth were yellow, and my dad was like, well, he smokes cigarettes. So, um, you know, that was just, like,
0: Did it turn you off from smoking? Um, Yeah. I, I never was a big smoker, so. Were there any lessons you learned from your father being a music producer that you feel you use in your business? I think... I learned
1: a lot from both my parents, actually, just the fact that they were creatives. I think I saw them, like, at the prime of their um, successes when they were in their 30s, and then they their industries changed, and they had to kind of reinvent themselves, so they started a business together um, where they did a children's clothing company. My dad did the business end of things, and my mom did the the art end of things. Hmm. I learned a lot of positive things from that and a lot of negative things. What were some of the negatives? Um, I definitely would never want to do a business where I was manufacturing anything or producing it and having to deal with other you know so many other um, aspects besides actually the creation of the product. So I, I love having my work licensed and seeing it on you know, apply to other things like we, like we talked about in the beginning of whether it's like wallpaper or clothing or journals or you know printed in magazines or books that's like really exciting for me but I would never want to get involved in
0: producing anything. I don't want to buy anything sell anything process. Remember, nope. Remember none of that. from Say Anything? No, I don't remember that. John but. Cusack's character when he's asked like what does he want to do by yeah. uh, his potential loves uh father and he's like I don't want to buy anything yeah I don't anything, either um,
1: <laughs> there's so much to that but I mean I think you know it was it was great that they got to work together and it was like a beautiful thing and you know it was interesting to watch somebody reinvent themselves and I think I yes. always have I think one of the reasons you said you think of me as like a workaholic I think one of the reasons I am this way is because you know I'm constantly feeling like my industry is on the cusp of like taking a left turn and I don't want to like, not be there with it, and I don't want to, you know, I want to always be learning and adapting and, and, like, going with things and experimenting, and I love having, you know, a distinctive style that I work within, but I also think it's really important to have personal projects that force me to, you know, experiment or...
0: What are those that you're working on right now?
1: Well, just the the book that I told you, the two yeah. books yes. were basically taking up a lot of my time.
0: But um, but they feel very personal. Yeah,
1: they are. I mean, they're personal in that they are self-generated, and they are being picked up by publishing companies. So now they are commercial. But when I say they're they're personal, it, it's that they were self-generated, and then they were they ter- they turned into commercial projects. Versus the other work is is just you know clients coming to me or my agency for me to do a specific project, and so that's like a commission. So they're different. I think it's always important to. Um, kind of come up with things that I'm interested in in doing, and I feel like I haven't, you know, another book in me. Once this book is kind of off to the, once these two books are off to the printers, I definitely feel like, you know, that's, you know, I I, I always loved making books as kids. I, as a kid, I was always doing that. So constantly publishing. Constantly, I even wrote like I was being facetious, and you were being real. No, wow, novels. you were I really mean, writing novels. Publishing meaning. You know, filling up a a Marvel notebook with like a Babysitter's Club esque novel. Fabulous. Um, So I don't think I see myself authoring that kind of book, but I definitely see myself kind of generating book ideas and coming up with projects that I'm interested in exploring, and, and that kind of being personal projects.
0: Well, as you continue to explore your personal projects, I want to recommend that people go to samanthahan.com to check out your beautiful illustrations, whether they are interested in ink and digital patterns, hand-lettered applications, watercolor, and ink. Um, you were just a phenomenal illustrator, and it's so inspiring. I'm so excited to have you on, and Thanks. congratulations on your duly-deserved Employee of the Month award.
1: Thank you so much. I'm honored.
0: Um, well, I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much, Samantha Hahn. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please check out our website, employeeofthemonthshow.com. That's employeeofthemonthshow.com. You can nominate people. You can give me feedback about the interviews, what you liked, didn't like, people you'd like to hear from. Again, this show is about jobs, work, and culture. So try to get a sense of how people spend their time, what they do with it. We really only, we meaning me, like to only interview interesting, good eggs, The good part meaning that they have a moral compass. I probably will not take someone if they're a dictator or a parking ticket officer, but anyone else who has a really interesting job or career, please feel free to uh, let us know about them. Please donate if you have money. We could really use your help. It makes the sound quality that much better. It helps pay for people. And even me, I could afford to have three meals in a day instead of combining. That would be a delight. I really want to thank Ian Mazoff for being just a wonderful partner in crime, as well as all of you for listening. Thank you so, so much. And how did I not thank Lady Parts? Thank you, Lady, for being the best co-host a host could ever have. I'm Katie Lazarus. Be well.